Wow. Every high thing must come down. You know, that's the promise that we have in Jesus Christ. And thank God that, that the weapons of our, our warfare, that, that they're not ours, folks. If we try to fight these battles ourselves, we're going to fail every time. But folks, it's through the power of Christ. Our, our, our weapon is mighty in God through Christ to pull down every stronghold, casting down every imagination. And folks, that's what Easter is all about. That death has been defeated. You know, sin has been atoned for. And folks, Christ has risen. Why is that so important? Why should we celebrate that? Because first of all, it displays God's great love towards you and me. That he loved you. And you can put your name in John 3.16. For God so loved Betty. For God so loved Ada. For God so loved John that he gave his only begotten son. Isn't that an amazing thing? See, that's where you need to personalize the word of God. It's not, a, it's not for someone else. It's for you and it's for me. And, and, and um, it says, and if, and if any of us would believe in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. But folks, it's much more than that. It's just much more than just the forgiveness of our sins, but it's the power over sin. We're going to be looking this morning in, in just the idea that, that, that folks... Our greatest issue in this world is, is not someone else, is not the circumstances in my life. The greatest issue I deal with is me. Because I'm a broken person that lives in a broken world. You hear very often if you are from Rayford Road Church, especially through the ministry of Celebrate Recovery, that, that we fell hold very firmly. All of us, all of us have hurts, hangups. And habits. But folks, we don't have to live there. That victory has been won through Jesus Christ. And that victory comes through the power of the resurrection. If you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to take them and take them and turn to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. And um, you'll you'll find that. That's in the New Testament. Um, Maybe you're, you're here today and you didn't bring a Bible. We encourage you to do so because everything that we teach and we preach, we we. We preach from the Word of God. Folks, you don't need to hear what Johnny has to say. You don't need to hear what Eddie has to say or Nathaniel. You need to hear what the Word of God has to say. We just simply try to be the conduit of what God speaks through us in His Word. And, um, and folks, it's life-giving. It's, it's, it's powerful. The Word of God, Jesus says, and as He prayed to the Father, sanctify them by thy truth. And then He says, thy Word is truth. You know, how can we be made different? How can we be set aside? How can our, our life be broken? It's through the truth that's found in the Word of God. And I encourage you to make that a part of your, your, just your daily habit of being in the Word of God. Today, we want to we we look at this, this whole idea of Easter. And folks, why is so good news? Why can we celebrate today? And we want to stop and we want to examine that. Today, I'm going to bring a very simple message. And... Um, and um, I'm a pretty simple guy, and, 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 and in all reality, as I look around this group, you're pretty simple people. And, um, but, uh, you know, we, we find out if, 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 if Christ himself, and, and this is what I, I share with some of our young men that, that are studying to, to maybe teach in the future. The greatest, the, the wisest man, the, the, the man with the greatest knowledge that ever lived was Jesus Christ. He knew all things. 
He was ominous and he knew all things. He, he, could have, he could have taken the greatest scholar that lived in the world at any time and he could have just bedazzled him. He could have taught where that scholar wouldn't even understood it. But how did Jesus taught, teach, taught? How did te- Jesus teach? He taught in parables. He taught so even a child could understand. I think we all need to listen to that, you know. He doesn't, he doesn't want to listen to our, our eloquence. He just wants us to get the truth across. And that's what we want to do today is we want to, you know, look at why is the Easter? Why, why is it such good news? We want to look at that today. If you found 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, this is where the Apostle Paul is writing to a church. Just like a church at Rayford Road Church, Paul had went over to, um, he, had, he had went over to what we know today as, as probably the Greece area. And there was, a, there was a seaport city that was called Corinth. And um, they, they were a very wealthy city, but you just think of a seaport, a bunch of sailors, they, mm, they, they come from some, bag, some, some, some rough backgrounds, but folks, many of them became gloriously saved. But they had their issues just like we had our issues. And, um, and um, but Paul was writing them a letter just to address some certain issues in their life. You know, there were some people that were saying in the days of Paul, and there, I'm sure there's skeptics today that said, you know what, the resurrection really didn't even happen. That's folklore. You know, that's just, that's just a good story for, for weak people. Folks, we hear that same thing today. And so, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. What goes around comes around. And, and the same issues was being dealt with uh, today that was being dealt with in the first century. Maybe you've come in here today as a skeptic. Maybe you've come in here today and, and saying, you know, I'm only here because it was a good time to dress up and, and, um, and impress some gal. Well, praise God that you're trying to impress her. Maybe the Holy Spirit will just, just, just fall upon your heart today. Open your eyes that you can see. And, um, but I just pray that you'd listen intently today as we stop, we study God's word and just felt led to, to, to this first verse of all this is the thing that grabbed me the most, but we're going to, we're going to look on down. Let's all stand together in honor of reading God's word, believing it is the truth of God. As, as we take it, we begin to apply it within, within our lives. Paul was writing to the church of Corinth. He was dealing with a lot of different issues. But he, but he felt very much that he needed to deal with this issue of the, of the resurrection. But in, in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, in verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, Moreover, he says, Brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which you also are saved. And he says, You know, the very, your very salvation is based upon this gospel that I'm preaching to you. Folks, there's salvation and no other. If you think that it's through your good works, if you think it's through some other person, if you, if you think it's by being a church member, if you think it's through being baptized, if you think it's through having little old ladies across the street, this is the only way. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that you can be saved. And then he explains what that gospel is. He says, for I del- delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, or Peter, then of the twelve. And after that he was seen above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, and then all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, and one born out of due time. 
For I'm the least of the apostles, that I'm not mean, or I'm not just or good to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I like that. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that even now that, that you would absolutely take control of this service. I thank you for the opportunity that we've already had time to sing and, and to worship you and, and recognizing Jesus Christ that, that you are risen and God that because of your resurrection that you wear the victor's crown and that through your power that every stronghold can come down. But what I pray today, Lord, is, is that'll be more than a song that, to, that, that we sing, dear Father, but God, it could be a personal testimony of every one of us. Father, I recognize in a group this, this large that, God, there's a lot of people that's walked in with some heavy burdens. And, God, I recognize that everyone that is in this place under my voice deal with issues within their life. God, we all, we all have needs. But, Father, I just pray that you would just, just take this time, that you'd bless it. You'd use it for your glory. God, change lives. I pray, I pray Holy Spirit, today that you would change lives. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. You know, have you ever experienced something or a situation that was so fantastic you just had to tell somebody else? You know, that, 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 that something occurred within your life that you just couldn't hold it in. You just, you just had to tell others. Man, uh, just a couple of years ago, Wanda Sue and me, we, we kind of went up to, uh, to Folkestone, Georgia. And we got in on a Friday night. I, I had no clue on Friday night was our seafood buffet. <laughs> and I, I can't eat the shellfish, but, but, buddy, they had fish and they had frog legs like you never seen. And for $14, including the tea and tax. You could get all you wanted to get. And I came real close of sinning that night. <laughs> I eat that stuff, and I eat that stuff, and I eat that stuff, and, and it was good, and, and um, about as good as it could be. And I, as soon as I got home, I began to tell that. Matter of fact, our whole staff went up there this past year because, because that's what we did for our, our Christmas. Our Christmas staff was, was go to Okefenokee um, Restaurant in, in Folkestone, Florida. Folks, if you want some good seafood, just go get you some of that. I can promise you, you won't be disappointed. You know, man, it just, it just jacked me up. I had to go tell somebody of, what, of, of such a good restaurant that that was. You know, I've had other experiences in my life, a movie that I've seen or a book that I've read that, that, that I, I wanted to put in the hands of many people. Miss Dorothy years ago, I just remember Miss Dorothy years ago, she, when, I, when I was just, just a young man getting started in business and starting in life, she had, she, she had given me several books that, man, that just would touch my life, but things that had touched her life she had given to me. And, and some of them, I, I've probably literally given away a hundred of them, say, hey, you need to read this. It'll change your life. 
Folks, I believe we're all the same way. You know, we all have been touched by experiences, touched by situations that, that we wanted others to have that same experience that we had. And folks, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church of Corinth. When he wrote these words to them, and then he's, he's reminding them of something that he had done, the words that he was saying here, when he said, when he said in, in verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. That word declare means to make known, and that wasn't some type of um, intellectual um, to be made known, but, but it was an experiential thing. He says, something that I have experienced, I want you to experience also. I have made sure that, that you have known about the thing that, that touched my life that, that I came into knowledge about. Because he wanted them to have that same understanding. Paul knew where he was in life when he met Jesus Christ. Paul was a, a leader of the Jews. He was a, he was a front guy for, for persecuting the church. And, and I, I believe somewhere in Paul's life there was some real anger towards, towards Christianity. I don't know why, but the, the vigilance that he had of trying to destroy the church. You, you felt some anger. You felt some resentment. Something, something that had happened in his life. And, and, you know, even though he had all the accolades and, and all the positions of, of the people that around him, you felt that there was some anger in Paul's life. And when he met Jesus Christ, everything changed. I say that to say this. You know, as we walk into this place today, we're dressed up, we have our hair fixed. We've, man, today we broke out the, the, the ties and all of that. Somebody came to me this morning and said, oh, Pastor, you look so good in that suit and that time. Boy, they were buttering me up and, um, you know, who you are, Mr. Anita. And, and I says, well, well, Mr. Anita, you better look at it because you might not see it for another little while. But, you know, we, we put on those, those happy faces and we come. You know, we, we may have our position at the bank or the school or where we work. And you know, we have a title by our name. But I think there's a lot of people, probably even in this place today, you're, you're really angry inside. Or maybe there's something going on in your life that you'd say, Pastor, you have no idea what's going on in my life. You see, I've learned that over the years as a pastor. Brother Eddie, he's talked about that many times. We never know what's going on in other people's lives. Just because you dress well, you smell well, you look well, does not mean that you're well inside. And again, Paul was a guy that seemingly was on the, boy, he was on the fast track to being one of the great Jewish leaders of his day, but deep within his life there was a hurt, and when he met Jesus Christ, everything changed. And Paul walked away from all of that because he wanted to tell other people just what Jesus Christ had done from him. And I pray today that you'll hear that message because Paul says, I'm wanting you to experience what I've experienced. Folks, if there's one thing from your speaker, from your pastor today, I want you to experience what I've experienced. I want you to taste what I've tasted. I want you to feel what what I felt, knowing that, that, that some of you today are in a need of a little bit of good news. 
Because the, the verbiage of the Apostle Paul continues on when he says, he says, I've, I've made known, I've made you aware of these things, and I declared unto you, he says, the gospel which I preached unto you, which you've also received. I think it's so very interesting that the word that he used for preach was not the, the normal word that, that, that's normally used. As a matter of fact, the, the word that, it, that, it, that he used when he speaks of the gospel, the gospel itself means good news. I've preached the good news to you. Something to be excited about. Something that would change your life, folks. The world has plenty of bad news. As a matter of fact, as a, as a young family today, if, you, if you, all you listen to is the, the, the news channels and what everyone says and you get on Drudge Report or, or the Internet, you, you'd be scared to death because all you hear is bad news. But Paul says, I've got good news for you today. And he says, that is what I've preached unto you. This word was again, was used again in Scripture, and I think it's so appropriate. As a matter of fact, today as we stand and, 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 and we're looking back at the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if we look back a little bit further, we'd see the birth of Jesus Christ that we celebrated at, at Easter. I'm sorry, it celebrated Christmas. But it was only that, that first Christmas morning, there were, there were a group of shepherds and they were out in the fields by night. You, you've heard the story, many of you have. And you have to understand shepherds. Shepherds, they were on the lower tier of life. I mean, I mean, those were the guys that, that, that didn't hang out with, 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 the, with the social elites of their day. And, you know, they, they, they weren't invited to a, just, a, just a, a lot of the social parties. They were shepherds. They worked with smelly sheep. And, and probably if the truth be known, some of them probably had some, some pretty rough characters. I can kind of equate with that because when I was a kid, I, I worked with a bunch of cowboys. And I'm not saying all cowboys are some pretty rough characters, but I can tell you there's a few of them are. And, you know, they had an edge to them. And this group of shepherds, they were out in the field and, and um, just, just living life. The, it was times were tough. Their people were under the oppression of the, of the Roman government. And all of a sudden, the, the cloud, the, the, the dark night just just exploded with light and the angel of the Lord came upon them and said, hey, do, do not be afraid. Do you remember what the angel told them? For I bring you glad tidings of great joy. And that word glad tidings, that announcement that the angels made to the to the shepherds on that first Christmas morning is the very same word that the apostle Paul is bringing. He says, I bring you glad tidings. I preach to you the good news of glad tidings. And just like the shepherds, shepherds those years before were in need of good news, Paul knew that his, his readers were in need of good news. Just like today, I know that you're in the need of a little good news. And it comes through the resurrected Christ and his gospel. So I pray today that you would just stop and you would just ask yourself, hey, is this for me? 
Because Paul began to say that the message of this good news is very simple. It's very simple. He said, this is what I've preached to you. He says, I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Paul says, I received it. I received this myself. It changed my life. And it can change yours. He says, for I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. What Paul was saying, the good news is based upon the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, folks, you're not in need of a better bank account or better health. Your greatest need is your soul. So the gospel deals with the very soul of man because our greatest need is to deal with our sin. Most of our problems are brought upon ourselves or they've been brought upon us by other people that's dealing with sin problems. We're afraid to talk about that today. We try to redefine sin. We try to call it by other names. We try to divert this issue of sin. But folks, just as as men were in need of a Savior when Jesus came into the world, we're in just as need of a Savior today. You can try to push that away, and you can try to say, that's not for me. But friend, it's for every single one of us. The Bible says it's appointed and the man wants to die. And after that, the judgment. And one day that every one of us in this place is going to be standing before a holy God. And he's going to look us in the eye. Why should I allow you into my heaven? Why should a righteous God allow a sinner into his heaven? See, you can laugh about that. You can scoff about that. But folks, every one of us will one day face our maker. And and the question then is, is, what are you going to do about that? And Paul recognized that. Paul, Paul had a pedigree, and he says, if, if anyone had a pedigree of the Jews, it was me, man. I was, I was, a, I was born of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I, I studied under the best teachers. But he recognized on the day that he met the resurrected Christ that he was in need of a Savior. And that's why Paul says that's why I have preached to you the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ has come for you. He says, first, that he has has died for the forgiveness of your sins. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus Christ came, he died, not for his own sins. He was God, he was righteous. But he died for your sins and he died for my sins. Did you know the Bible teaches us there's none righteous, no, not one? You may say, well, Pastor, I'm a pretty good guy. The Bible also teaches us all of our pretty goodness, that our righteousness is nothing more than filthy rags when it's, when it's compared against God. See, we like to compare ourselves against other people. But, folks, what we will have to stand before is a righteous God. And the Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. You may look at Sister Allen, how, how can a sweet little, little lady like that be a sinner? 
You are apart from Christ, Sister Alda. We're all sinners. There's none righteous. There's none that seeketh after him. No, not one. Folks, that's truth. And, and, and so this is, not, this, is not, this is not pointing any particular person. Not, folks, we're all in that ship. We're all in that boat. And the Bible says the wages of our sin is death. I think one of the great misconceptions that, that we have, and, and this is why we need, to, we, we need to hear the good news, because many times we don't even realize that we're the, in the condition that we are. How terrible it would be for us to go to, the, to a doctor with a condition. And that doctor knew that we had a deadly condition, but he was afraid to tell us that. And especially that he would be afraid to tell us that when he had, he had a, a, a medication or a procedure that could heal us of that condition. You see, folks, the reality is that we're all sinners. We're all separated from God. If you, even that was spoken by in, in John. This, this is what, you don't, you, you don't have to think that one day, if, if I don't accept Christ, I'll be condemned. No, the Word of God says you're condemned already. Listen to what the Word of God teaches us in John. And right after that great passage, for God so loved the world, we love to hear that verse. We love to hear God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But if you continued, the very next verse tells us these words. John 3, 17 tells us, For God sent sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And then in verse 18, he that believed on him is not condemned, but he that believed not is condemned already. I'm al- you're already condemned. If you're sitting here without Jesus Christ, it's not that one day you will be condemned. The Bible says you're already condemned. Because he's not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. In verse 36 of, the, of chapter 3 of John, it says, He that believeth on the Son of on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You know what that's telling us? That if I don't today have personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not one day that I'll have to face the God. The Bible teaches us that the wrath of God is abiding on you right now. The wrath of God is just... One breath of God away from falling. You know, the only thing that's keeping you from tasting the wrath of God right now, it's not your goodness, it's the mercy of God. Folks, that's bad news. That's bad news. Again, if I'm sitting right here today, and I've, I've never come to a personal relationship with Christ, and I've, I've, I've never been saved from the forgiveness of my sins, it's not one day that I'm going to face the judgment. The Bible teaches us the judgment is, is upon my head right now. I'm already condemned, and, and the only thing that's keeping me from experiencing the full judgment is the mercy of God. Wow. See, to really understand the good news, you have to understand the bad news first. And that's why Paul says, you know, this is why I want you to experience what, what I've experienced. Because there's one day I didn't even realize it. I thought I was doing the work of God. And I, I didn't even realize that the wrath of God abided on me. 
And one day I met a Savior and my sins were forgiven. That he did for me what I could not do for myself. And so the good news is responding to that bad news that that Christ came for sinners of whom I'm chief, Paul said. And he died not for his own sins, but for my sins. He took my wrath upon himself. And then he said he is also, so, so therefore... We have to understand, he says, that Jesus died to pay the penalty of our sins, but but he was buried to remove the very presence of my sins. I think it's interesting that when when, when Paul was speaking of the gospel, speaking of the good news, he talks about the the death, the forgiveness of the sins, the, the burial, and the resurrection. You know, we like to focus on the death of Jesus Christ. We like to focus on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But many times we don't really consider, why did he say the burial of Jesus Christ? Obviously, that's, that's pretty important to the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, first of all, in, in just the very practical terms, that the idea of the burial just proved that Jesus really did die, that he didn't just faint, he didn't just pass out, and they, they moved him. But he, he, had, he, had a, he had a real funeral service. He was died. He died. He was taken upon that cross. He was he was taken to a tomb. It was a borrowed tomb, and and he was laid in a grave, and, and the stone was rolled there. I mean, he was dead. As a matter of fact, it was it, the, even even the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, that came and they sealed the tomb to prove that Jesus was dead. And so, first of all, we have to understand the burial proved the death of Jesus Christ. But I think there's even a, a spiritual idea that that goes along with the with the death of Jesus, or the burial of Jesus Christ, and, and that's the idea of, of, of putting our sins away. Because Paul speaks about this in Romans, the sixth chapter, um, verse four, when, because we go through the, the ordinance of believers' baptism, that, that when we're baptized, there's a beautiful picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's a, there's a picture of cleansing that goes on. It, it, it's, it's a picture of, of, of the old man has died, the old man was buried, and a new man comes forth. And, and it's the idea of the old sins being put away. Because Paul writes these words in, in the sixth chapter of, of, of Romans, verse 4, when he says, Therefore we're buried with him by baptism unto death, that like Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. And you know what the good news of this is, folks? That all those sins that I've walked in, all those sins I've done, it doesn't matter what that sin, it doesn't matter whether it's a, a lie or, or, or that I've committed adultery or, or, or man, I've, I've committed the most terrible of sins. There's some of you today think there's things in my life that I've done that how can God forgive me? How can God forget about my sins? Let me tell you, dear friends, the blood of Christ is powerful enough to, to cleanse you from all of your sins. And not only that, but God says, I'll remember them no more. That when Jesus Christ died and he was buried, he took our sins to the grave. Folks, they were, they were, they were, they were taken care of through the death and the burial of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. 
There's times in my life that I think about some of the, the sins that I've committed in the past, and it, it brings me shame, but that's because I allow it to bring me shame. That's why I'm allowing the adversary to pitch this lie into my heart. Folks, I don't have to deal with that anymore because it's under the blood of Jesus Christ, and if God shouldn't remember it, I shouldn't remember it also. So Christ, the good news is this, he died for the penalty of my sins. He, he was buried to remove me from the very presence of those old sins. And folks, he rose from the dead to help me to overcome the power of sin. We, you just had an opportunity to sing about that. Because the idea that if Jesus could defeat the enemy of death, he, can, he has broken the power of sin over my life. Wow. That's the resurrected life. That I don't have to live under this bondage anymore. That I don't have to live under this heartache anymore. That I don't have to live under those chains that have held me anymore. Because my sins have been forgiven, my sins have been forgotten, and the power of sin through the resurrection has been broken. Folks, that's good news. That is good news. But Paul says, you know what, you probably didn't believe me. You might be saying, hey, that's poppycock. And, you know, that, that, you know that, that, that happens to other people. It's not really true. Well, Paul says, well, you know, there's, there's, there's confirmation of this. He says, I'm, I'm just not telling you a story. As a matter of fact, he said twice, this was confirmed by the scriptures, and, and thy scriptures are, are truth. And so therefore, the scriptures themselves spoke of, of, of the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You, the, the scripture's full of, of, of where the word of God teaches us for, that you would not leave my soul in Hades. That, um, in, in, in Psalms, that, that the picture of the resurrection, that, that although the Messiah may die, but God would not leave him there. Or, or Jesus said, just like Jonah was in three days and three nights in the belly of the, uh, of the fish, so shall the Son of Man be in the grave. So Paul says, this is nothing new. The, the Scriptures confirm this. Well, I don't believe in the Scriptures, you say. Well, Paul says, let me tell you another way. It was confirmed by eyewitnesses. And not only just one or two, a whole multitude. He says this in, in, in verse 5 of that chapter when, when he says these words. He says, and after that he was seen of, of Cephas or Peter and then of the twelve. And after that he was seen above 500 brethren at, at, at once of whom the, the greater part remained to the present. But some are fallen asleep. And after that he was seen of James and then all the apostles. And at last of all he was even seen of me. Now, I'm telling you, I think that you would have a, a pretty good case. Don and, 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 and Reed are both attorneys. I think you'd have a pretty good case against something if you could run up about 500 witnesses that was saying the very same thing. I mean, it just didn't, wouldn't be one or two, but I mean, you just, kept run, you just kept running one after another. Well, I don't believe that one, but what do you do when you have, when you have a whole multitude of people come and says, we saw the same thing? then after a while, you have, to, you have to begin to realize there has to be merit to what's being said. And you have to understand the, 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 the Jewish people of the day and also the Roman people of the day wanted to keep Christ in that tomb. 
And they would have shut up a few witnesses, but you can't shut up 500 and more. You might have gotten rid of one or two, but if you have them keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. There was witnesses all around that Jesus rose from the grave. And if you want to deny deny that, that's your problem. I mean, what you're doing then is you're just denying the obvious. You're You're just standing up and saying, I'm not listening to what the reality is anymore. And Paul says, if you have a problem with that, I've got another thing I can tell you. This also confirmed through changed lives. Paul says he changed my life. Matter of fact, he so radically changed my life that I was a persecutor of the church and then I became a preacher of Jesus Christ. People didn't know what to do with the Apostle Paul. This was a guy that was so bitter, so angry against the church. And when, when, when the resurrected Christ met him on the road to Damascus and his life so changed, he became a preacher. People had a hard time believing that. They were afraid of him. Paul says, I'm the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be apostle. But, but, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul says, you can, you can deny the scripture. You can deny these other people. But you can't deny that Christ has changed my life. And folks, I believe that's the greatest evidence of the resurrection. Is that when I see someone's life that I knew, that was radically changed when they met the resurrected Savior. What are you going to do with that? John, did Jesus Christ radically change your life? Did he put you on a different path? And Danita, I mean, I could go around... I could go around and have testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony where the resurrected Christ, I mean, absolutely changed the directions of people's life. Our dear brother Jack that just went home to be with Jesus Christ, you know, Jack would tell you, he said, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a sober breath for 40 years. And God so radically changed Brother Jack that he was one of the greatest cheerleaders of Jesus Christ. And every year at his salvation birthday, he'd stand up right there by Sister Lydia and says, I have a new birthday today in Jesus Christ. See, you can argue Scripture all you want. And you can argue what other people, but you can't argue when somebody's life's been changed. I mean, when you've seen someone that has been dead and and their life has been destroyed and then they've been made a brand new person, because that's what the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things become new. I went to a funeral yesterday. I already hear Della laughing. We had an uncle named Uncle Everett. Now, he was a sport. And um, Everett done things the way Everett wanted to do. And we all loved Everett, but he was an Everett. The folks, eight years ago, he was 80 years old. He had an experience with the resurrected Christ in a dream of all things. I don't know if I've ever seen somebody change like Everett Davis. I saw him just two day, just a, a couple of days before he died. Johnny Dell saw him right after us. He was sitting up in bed and had that little finger waving. And he says, you know, I don't know when he's coming, but I'm ready when he comes, you know. And he was, I mean, he... God happy because he was happy. I mean, he was excited that, you know, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm on the short rows now. 
I'm about ready to go home. But God just radically changed his life. And I'm telling you, if, if, if nine years ago he'd talked to you about the railroad or something, he won't. But buddy, when you talked to him this time, he'd said, let me tell you about my Jesus. And, and if you were with him five times in a week, you heard his testimony five times that week. Because he would tell you over and over and over and over again what Jesus Christ had done for him. Wanda Sue and me left him the other day when we had went and visited him. We jumped in the car and Wanda Sue looked and said, he's a changed size man. He is, he is just crazy changed. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus could take an 80-year-old man set in his ways that loved to control everything and absolutely change his life. Folks, you can try to deny that all you want. But when you see a life that's been radically changed, there's no greater proof of the resurrected Christ. And again, I could have testimonies all around this place begin to jump up this morning and say, let me tell you how God changed my life. God did a good work in Brother Al's life, didn't he? When I first met Brother Al Dunmire, that was, he, he, he kind of pretty mean old coot, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he had his ways, didn't he? But God changed his life, didn't he? God changed his life. Boy, you know, he, he wanted to walk in and, and it, whether he's bad or not, he wanted to let everybody think he was bad. So I, I'll put it that way. But God changed all that in his life. How can, how, how can, you, how can you deny that? When, when God does such a work. And so God confirms this good news in so many different ways. But, you know, listen to what it says in verse 1, and we'll begin to pull up and close here. But he says, Moreover, brethren, I declared unto you the gospel which I also preached unto you, but which you've received and wherein you stand. You know what? That has to be received. Just because it's good news until you receive that into yourself, it never becomes yours. I know I, I skipped a point and I, I just noticed that because what I'm saying is, is the meaning of this, folks. Your life can be changed. Your faith can be real. But the, but the important part is, is you've got to receive this into yourself. Paul says, I could have preached this until I'd gotten blue in the face. I could have preached this until I couldn't have spoken anymore. But if you hadn't received it, it would not have been good news to you. It must be received. The work has been done. The victory has been accomplished. But it has to be made yours. You can know it with your head, but have you made it part of your life? Has your life been radically changed? You know, there's a lot of people that think, yeah, I've heard that news. I've accepted that good. But your life's never changed. You've never become a new creation then I would really stop and examine my salvation. Because when God applies Jesus Christ into your life, things change. 
The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the children of God, to everyone that believes. You must believe by faith that Jesus is who he says he is. You must believe that by faith that Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and he arose again on the third day. And you must believe by faith. You must trust Jesus so much that you're willing to give him your life in exchange for him. And say, God, I'm not mine anymore. I give you myself. And that's what I pray here today. A lot of people have heard the good news. But you've never taken ownership of the good news. You've never received that unto yourself. You see, Christ came to defeat the power of sin. And when he defeats the power of sin, not only that is the wrath of God removed from you, but also the consequences of your sin. And those bondages that used to just absolutely bind you begins to fall off that you begin to have the power to overcome that addiction or, 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 or that temptation that he's just equipped. doesn't mean it just automatically falls off, but Christ gives you the power now to begin to overcome. Are you tired of living where you used to live? There's a better way for you. The Apostle Paul that says that's the good news, that's the gospel, that you don't have to live there any longer. You see, you have to receive it, and you receive it by faith, but then you also have to live it, he says, because therein you stand. That, that is how you have grounded your life. Not in the ways of the world or the philosophies of the world, but you have grounded your life now, and you stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ that he died for my sins. He was buried, and he arose again on the third day. I close this service today just, just pleading with you pleading with you to receive the good news. You can, you can hear the gospel story a hundred times, but that's not going to save you. The only thing that's going to bring you salvation from the wrath of God and the penalty and the power of sin in your life is you have to receive it into your own And I'm asking you to do that today. There's some of you today that you got some stuff going on in your life. Maybe you've come to that point that you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. You don't have to stay there any longer. I invite you to come to Jesus Christ. He's the resurrected Lord. Folks, if he can, if he can overcome the power of death and step out of that grave, he can help you overcome any issue that you have in your life. But you have to receive him into yourself. We like to fool ourselves with the adage that everyone, I mean, the politically correct thing to say is everyone are children of God. Folks, that's not true. It's only those who have received the gospel have been born into, and born into the kingdom of God. The Bible says the others are the children of wrath. So there's two types of people here today. I mean, two. There's children of God and children of wrath.
No, why would you like, why would you like, why would you continue to live as a child of wrath when the good news is that Jesus Christ has come to deliver you and invite you to be a part of his family? That is why Jesus died for your sins. He was buried. He arose again on the third day. I'm going to ask you today to come to Jesus. I'm just going to ask you today to just come and say, Lord, I just give my life to you. I believe you died for me. You were buried. You arose again on the third day. Folks, that's the good news of Easter, that Christ can change your today and change your tomorrow. I tell you, why don't you bow your heads even right now? I want to ask our companies that they'd come and begin to, to pray. You might say, Pastor, I, I, I thought this was all about good news. Again, we, before you really understand how good the news is, you have to understand, gosh, the, the, the badness of our condition. And maybe today the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart. And maybe today that he's revealed to you that, God, I'm in need of a Savior. And God, I need to receive this good news of Jesus Christ. Would you cry out to him right now? The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If that I believe in my heart, the Lord Jesus, or or if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Would right now, would you confess that to him and say, God, I'm in need of a Savior, the God that I recognize apart from Jesus Christ. I'm a child of wrath. The wrath of God already abides on me. And God, I need my soul saved. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he was buried, but yet I believe that he defeated death and overcome the power of sin. And Jesus, I place my trust in you today. Would you call out to him today? Would you call out to him today? Would you receive that good news? But as many as received him, but as many as received him, you know, that's something you have to do. You have to receive him. You have to say, God, that is what I want. Says, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the children of God. It's only those who receive him has the authority to become the children of God. And then he says, for everyone that believeth on his name. You're receiving by belief. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? What greater way to then on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Day, to receive the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to receive eternal life. You just speak to God right there. In just a moment, we're going to stand as our team leads us in song, and, and, and I'm going to open these altars. And I, I'm going to beg you, I'm going to plead with you, God can change your life. He's already paid the price. He, he's, he's, he, he, he's already shown his love for you. But the but, but Bible says, but you must receive that. But you must re- I don't know how that works, folks. But that's what the Bible says. But as many as received him, to get, then to gave he power to become the children of God. Would you receive that good news today? Would you receive that today? You may need to just come and say, Pastor... 
I, I just, I just, I just ask Christ, and what do I need to do? And and I'll put you with someone one on one, or maybe there's still something new, and you want to talk to someone. We'll put you, we'll put you one on one to talk with someone. Or maybe today you're a believer here today, and and you're so thankful that that Christ has delivered you from the bondage of sin. You, you may want to come get on your knees and say, "Thank you, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, for entering my life, for changing my life." Folks, don't let this moment, don't let this moment be in vain.